BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This week we're talking Halloween with New York's spooky icon Alan Robert of Life of Agony and comic books. Play the intro! Two more days till Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Two more days to Halloween. Welcome back to Last Words. What's up? It's Last Words here in the pit. We're just, we're talking spooky business. It's the spooky episode. I got a pumpkin. His name is Squash Brolin. That's his name. And uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jordan Olds from Two Minutes to Late Night. And I'm Katie Irizarry from Season of Mist and Loudwire. And my name is Doc Coyle, guitarist of Bad Wolves, host of the X-Men podcast, and onesie enthusiast. Yeah. Hey, I'm Alan Robert from Life of Agony. He introduced himself, but yeah, our guest this week, <laughs> we got Alan from Life of Agony. How's it going, man? Listen, sometimes you got to take care, you know, take care of yourself. You got to throw yourself out there. Being proactive. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Proactive. DIY. Alan, do you have Halloween plans? Every day's Halloween around here. That, I, I leave it uh, to the rookies on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like, I don't know, I'm spooky all of, like literally I wear a costume for work. I feel a little exhausted about Halloween. I'm like, I gotta like up it. I Like everyone's expecting. So how do you feel about this, Katie? People think Halloween is my favorite season. And in some ways it is. But really, for me, it's Christmas because Halloween for me is 365 days a year. My apartment is always decorated for Halloween. I'm always dressed for Halloween. So to me, it's like that's the one time of year I feel like I'm cosplaying. You know, the, the rest of the year, like Halloween, I'm like, what? It's just another day. I'm already watching horror movies and listening to Typo Negative. Like, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. So for us, but it lasts forever. I don't. <laughs> you know, it's like everything. You know, I, I feel like Americans, we just, we just take everything too far. You know, it's like, we start drinking pumpkin spice on like June 25th. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's like there's pop-up shops. We just commercialize everything. And it's, and me, I'm a counterintuitive contrarian kind of guy. You know, if everyone's going zigging over here, I'm going to zag, you know? And I thought Halloween was canceled this year. Okay, I thought it was over. So I don't know what you people are doing. This is it, I'm under the weather. I'm stuck at home. You know, this is it. This is my Halloween, all right? It's embarrassing. Nothing's happening. <laughs> okay, I don't know, you know, so I don't know what anyone, I, you know, I'm not going anywhere. This is it. I'm stuck. This is prison, okay? I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll be home in solidarity with you. I, every Halloween, I mean, the past, probably since like, I, in my like early to mid 20s, uh, every Halloween, I spend it at home. Sometimes I'll have a friend over, or I'll go to a friend's, watch some Halloween movies eat candy. I will get basic and drink either pumpkin beer or like some type of like spice cider. Like, I guess that's my one like treat. Like that's my one Halloween tradition that I'm not doing on a typical day. Those are excellent ideas. You should do it. Alcohol that's solves fine. all. It does. Unless you're in recovery, then don't listen to me. Right. <laughs> Alan already knows he's already there. <laughs> <laughs> Back 
October for me is like usually my most hectic month. You know, it's like it's usually starts with New York Comic Con, and then all these yeah. kind of crazy rock and shock festivals and chiller theater usually fall chiller theater is like uh, an expo in new jersey that you have all the hard uh actors and actresses come out from the walking dead and you know all the movies you grew up with um just there to sign pictures and and uh and uh you know sell memorabilia and just hang out for like a crazy halloween weekend um that's what you that's usually where i'm at if i'm not on tour Alan, I actually am dying to ask you about the beauty of horror. This started as a coloring book, an adult coloring book, very horror themed, starring Guliana, who is right. basically the main figure of the book. And you had a couple of series, you even had a Christmas Halloween mashup. And now it seems you have a whole bunch of other stuff. You have, I believe, volume four now is out. You have, uh, it looks like a journal with your own artwork on it. You even have your own tarot card deck. Um, tell us a little bit about all of that, what you have going on, and um, your your background as a comic book artist, because we've actually brushed up about that on an episode on here randomly once. Oh, really? Something that I always found very interesting about you in particular, that you basically were at a crossroads, a pretty cool crossroads to have, where you had gone to school to become an artist. You even studied with uh, one particular professor, if I'm not mistaken, who works for Marvel. Walt Simonson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who drew the mighty Thor. The Thor Walter Simonson is my favorite uh, comic run of all time. Unbelievable. So, so you could imagine when I would not do well in his class and hearing it from <laughs> him, who I idolized. Oh, no. Oh, no. Alan, I'm sorry. Did you, oh, did, no. Did you draw uh, Frog Thor bad? I had metal on the brain, man. That was right where uh, LOA, you know, signed our Roadrunner Records contract and I was graduating and um, I was totally focused on music. And, um, but he was a great teacher. He was a great teacher and, and we still run into each other on, you know, New York Comic Con, San Diego. He actually wrote uh, an intro on um, my Crawl to Me graphic novel. Really? Man, that's yeah. awesome. You know, I said I can relate because I went to college as an art major and failed out because I only cared about my band and got a record <laughs> deal within like a year of leaving college. So I, I completely, I actually was accepted to Joe Kubert School of uh, uh, comic, comic Book Art. So it's, it's, yeah. it, it, it's kind of amazing how many musicians also like started drawing, you know, like, uh, like Slash, for example, is, is really, you know, known for like, sketching you know the first guns and roses you know logos and, and things like that there's always that like i feel like we always you know creativity finds its way of uh getting you in these places because you're stuck in school you don't got a guitar or bass but you got your little notepad there and you can uh, explore your mind you know yeah and for me i started music really late i only picked up a guitar at like 16 17 so i was drawing since i'm like six and that's all I ever did was draw my own comic books and sit at the lunchroom table in school and draw monsters. And um, that's all I was about 24 seven. And uh, especially when, when like Star Wars came out and all these cool creatures to draw and, and stuff like that, I was just infatuated with everything monster related. What made you finally uh, take that leap to start doing, like you've done, like you mentioned, you've done your comic books um, and now you're doing uh, these 
coloring books and, and the tarot deck and everything, what kind of made you decide, did you finally, or find that you had that balance that now you were able to pursue both? When I got out of school and I had the crossroads, like you said, um, I really didn't expect music to last more than six months. I was like, I'll just jump in a van with my friends and, and we'll go on this crazy tour and, and I'll be back and take my portfolio around to uh, the comic book companies. And it turned into 20, 25 years. And, um, you know, I was doing art all throughout that for the band and for other bands um, and design work for bands like Shine Down, even Hailstorm and Earshot and Three Doors Down, stuff like that over the years. But I think it was around 2009 where I had this idea that I started back in the Walt Simonson days of, of college uh, to bring this Wire Hangers comic to life. And I'm either going to self-publish it or I don't know anyone in the comic book industry at that time. And I was just, you know, focused on getting it out. And I just tweeted something about it. And um, the head of IDW Publishing was a music fan. And we started talking over Twitter. And, you know, he sent me a bunch of IDW comics and I sent him a bunch of music. And we just hit it off and he ended up picking up wire hangers and, and that was like 2010 it came out and um year after year i've just been putting out series after series and eventually uh 2016 with beauty of horror which was kind of i put it out as kind of a joke it was like the anti-coloring book you know it was like all the adult coloring books at that time were mandalas and nature and animals and here's this like here's a corpse laying in the grass you know with a nice sunflower <laughs> Um, and it was kind of a joke and, um, now it's an Amazon bestseller. Now it's a bestseller. <laughs> um, I, I got into it though, you know, like about halfway through the book after, you know, kind of poking fun a bit at adult coloring, I got really into drawing monsters in the style. And then once I saw people all over the world coloring in the pages, once the book came out and really bringing the artwork to life, it was I was hooked on that feeling and that connection with fans. It's something you don't get with writing a graphic novel. You know, you're in your room for eight, nine months, you know, hammering away on the art, you release it, and you see some fans at, at, the, uh, at the shows. But adult coloring is an interactive thing. And there's hundreds and hundreds of these pages colored online. And just, you could have one page uh, colored by 10 different people and it'll be uh, 10 different approaches. It's like playing a fighting game and it's just you can select triangle instead of X but forever. It's <laughs> yeah. Color palette each time. It's amazing. It's amazing. And the new book just came out, um, Beauty of Horror 4 Creature Feature, which is every page is a parody of one of the horror movies we grew up on and everything's in there. Like, you know, even some not so popular films, um, American Werewolf in London, they live. Oh, I love that. Yeah, American yeah. I love American Werewolf in London. I have an American Werewolf in London tattoo. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. I'm out, y'all. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I watched it. I was like, oh, great, great creature stuff. The rest of that movie is, it's all right. It's all right. It's, it's, all right. it's, a, it's, it's a comedy director. Yeah, I, but I, it's, a, it's a little too comedy. You know? I like that. I do too. Me. I like the cheese. Give me the cheese. I like a mix, like Shaun of the Dead. You don't like Shaun of the Dead? I love Shaun of the Dead. Same yeah. concept. I'm just saying, if I wrote it, okay. <laughs> he gets it, Listen up, John Landis. Right? <laughs> Listen, John Landis is canceled, okay? 
No, <laughs> Max Landis is canceled. John We're Landis canceled. Is fine. All right. Anyway, he he gets attacked right by the by the werewolf, and then they spend like thirty seven minutes in the hospital, and he's like hitting on the nurse. Come on, that's not that. You gotta feel, you gotta feel. You yada 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 through the hospital. We get to the good stuff. Come on, man. I'm just saying. Yeah, but in that scene. You have the dream within the dream scene with yes, the werewolves. That's called padding the runtime. <laughs> dream within dream. If your movie has more than three dream sequences, that's you just lazy. You just you're like I need some stuff. I need some stuff to fill this movie up. Nightmare on Elm Street is all dream sequences. Exactly, it's a movie about dreams. If if it ain't Nightmare on Elm Street and it ain't Inception, stop fluffing your stuff with. Dreams. I'm looking at you, Sopranos. Don't build the the idea of transformation. <laughs> like a horror movie is not necessarily a Halloween movie. Do you have favorite Halloween movies, Alan? Yeah, I think you're right, by the way. Cause like I watch The Shining anytime it comes on. Um, but not necessarily on Halloween. Yeah, but like Midsummer is not a Halloween movie. No. You know what? You're not doing that. <laughs> no. Listen, if someone dresses up how the lead girl does at the end of the movie, that's like that would be hard. That'd be a hard Halloween costume. But by the way, I think you know you know it's you know it's Halloween-y. Halloween-y? I didn't mean to say that. That is a movie. Uh basically any Tim Burton movie, right, is like Halloween, but not horror, right? Yeah, that's true. Like Beetlejuice. I mean, I think too, there's a, a audience for the type of horror it is. Like as a kid, Beetlejuice is scary. Like the sandworm terrified me as a child. But now as an adult, obviously, you know, it's more goofy than anything and just aesthetic. I would have said, do some push-ups. All right. Stop. You're fine. All right. I saw Death Wish when I was seven years old. All right. So just toughen up. All right. Edward Scissorhands was probably the one that inspired me i will i would walk around the house like this that was that was mine beetlejuice was too far and the witches you know actually interesting point here because the new witches just came out the the remake of uh the witches zemeckis uh, doll book yes the zemeckis version Oof. and i even though be weird it was not great as an adult obviously these movies don't scare me anymore but i could recognize a suspenseful element in a film and like the original witches, there was a lot of moments of suspense, a lot of like, will they, won't they? A lot of, uh, is he going to get away? And, and you feel that tension. But in this movie, it just felt very rushed. And, you know, my usual complaint, CGI just ruins everything now. Like the thing, amazing movie. Like, give me that quality. Or Alien, like, give me that quality. Alien, another horror movie, definitely not a Halloween movie. It's just, right. like, you know, it's just an anytime movie. Can we talk about Teen Witch real quick? Who, who who represents Teen Witch? Okay, who's in actually who's in the Teen Witch crew and who's in the Craft crew? Because it's like you can't be both. Both, yeah, a hundred percent. I can be both. I I can absolutely watch top that, and I will also uh, I will also hop on the bus and go to a séance. I mean, I'm here for both. I haven't seen the Craft in a while. How is the rapping in the Craft? I don't remember. It was more of like a new metal rap. <laughs> <laughs> my actually favorite Halloween movie that is not a horror movie is The Crow. I'm a, oh, I'm a Crow's fan because yeah. it takes place on Halloween as well. Remember, they get killed on Devil's Night. So it's very much, you know, tied into that. But that's like, you know, you know, I got my got my crow tattoo, you know, I don't mess around. <laughs> I know this is gonna sound weird, but I fancy the crow is more of a Valentine's movie. Mm. 
you know, like a dark Valentine kind of. It's a, I could a, see that little. Yeah, drum. that's right. Go and murder a bunch of people in a revenge way in February. You know? That makes sense. It. Valentine's what? Day massacre. <laughs> Adds I'm, up. Yeah, no, I hear, I hear you. I'm just saying the movie doesn't take place. It doesn't take place on Valentine's Day, but it's romantic in nature in some way. I think it's kind of like how you pointed out the Tim Burton movies, because Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. Like, that happens at Christmas, but you can watch that at, you can watch that on Halloween, I guess. Well, now that my my daughter is 12 years old and she grew up on, like, rainbows and uh, mermaids and all this, (laughs) all this fun, girly stuff, but now she she like binged Stranger Things in like a week and she's super into creepy stuff. Hell yeah. So I'm trying to get her into Pennywise and it and all that. That's cool. I'm I'm glad to know that like because that was always the argument against Stranger Things was like is this just to like revive the nostalgia in like a bunch of old dudes but if kids are watching it and it's making them excited to watch the shit that inspired Stranger Things, then then it's worth it. Yeah, so she's coming around, you know. Yeah, she we're bringing that dark side into it. Yeah, I think sure. it is a perfect kind of transition too, because it's got that element of like friends coming together against this force. So I think that I think you're on the right path here. At least just for me personally, thinking about that, I'm like, yeah, I could see how someone could go from Stranger Things to it. Like, yeah. Quick question, Alan would you would you get your daughter a Ouija board for her friends? to like summon demons and like old scary dudes? Would I? Um, well, there's actually- it's Dangerous, very dangerous. In, in the uh, in the New Beauty of Horror journal that just came out, there is a Ouija board in it. So she has the book. What is she doing with it? That's another question, but we, mm-hmm. we did a couple of pages together and it was a lot of fun. It, okay. It's actually kind of geared towards that younger audience. You know, it's like there's, Every page is a prompt, like a spooky prompt to do. Um, even like wake up on Halloween night and film your film your apartment at three in the morning and see what you find. Stuff like that. Are you are you guys pro haunted house? Uh, an actually haunted house. Like if you're telling me I'm gonna go. I mean, even though now I'm a, I'm very cynical and I feel like the Amityville house was all just a bunch of lies and trash. Um, but say I was still useful and believed it was haunted, and you told me you were gonna go there, I'm into that. Like I'm actually going to Salem next month, and I am booking a bed and breakfast that is haunted. But uh, like a haunted house, like I've done like Eastern State Penitentiary and Blood Manor, and they're fun. But I don't love them. I, it's just, they're, they, I think my thing is there's usually kids there and there shouldn't be. And <laughs> I think that's what ruins yeah. it for me. I don't know. I love them. I think they're very fun. Uh, both versions. I love a real haunted house. I love a fake one. But I agree. There shouldn't be children. Like, maximum, like. They don't have age limits on those things? I guess not. I mean, maybe they, they do. But I mean, I, when I was at Eastern State Penitentiary, there were children in front of me. I'm like, how? I mean, granted, it was like the opening, like advanced opening night. So there were VIPs there. So maybe there were exceptions made. But I was like, I don't want to go this. And I don't think I've seen, actually seen children at Blood Manor. I should be more specific. Youths, like rowdy, like older teenagers, you know? I don't like like a New York City haunted house. I like a whole, like there's a whole to do with it. Like there's a haunted house and a 
and like corn maze, like full on, like a farm kind of haunted house thing where it's mm. like a, a, a kind of like a mini fair. I think that shit's really fun. I just have fond memories of that as like a teenager. You don't really care about the haunted house, but it's just a fun. I just like a spoopy thing, man. I like all of it. It's fun. Yeah, my, my, my whole theory with like the haunted houses, basically I put haunted houses in the same category as like roller coasters, right? These things are, are reflections of how that life is too good now. That life is so good and safe that you pretend you're dying for fun. This is a, like, well, this is a, it's a real benchmark of human progress that we have to pretend like we're dying or that someone's coming to kill us and it's fun for us. This is amazing. Well, we can't I'm do any saying, of this. It was in 1682. I mean, literal wolves were like chasing you and they, you know, you get, a, a, you know, a, a posse would round you up, throw you off a mountain. That was the original roller coaster. This is the thing. Yeah, when you got attacked by a wolf in 1682, you got to spend a good chunk of that time period trying to hit on a nurse and having a weird dream. <laughs> Alan, what about you? What are your haunted house thoughts? Both real and not so real. Well, one that we, I mean, and Doc, you know, this like just sometimes you stay in these creepy ass hotels that, you you know, you don't know what's happened there and uh, you get a, a weird vibe. But Red Roof, Red Roof Inn. Yes, I agree. Like you ever <laughs> see that that movie Vacancy? Oh, I have seen that movie. It's been a while. Yeah, we've we've stayed in a few of those. But um, one of the last um, videos we did for Sound of Scars was uh, Lay Down and we filmed it inside a real haunted house. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. It was White Hill Mansion in Fieldsboro, New Jersey. Um, but it's been around. I feel like I should have been there, but I, I don't think I have. It's, it's like one of the most spookiest um, places in New Jersey. Um, I think Ghost Hunters were there. Yeah. But ba basically they built it uh, in the 1700s. And it was a speakeasy during Prohibition. And so there's like a lake behind it and they dug uh, a tunnel where they would um, smuggle rum from the boats and drag them on sleds through this tunnel to the speakeasy and someone was murdered down there. And, and so uh, supposedly this spirit is, is trapped in this house and, and spooks the owners and, you know, they, they've had ghost hunters there and, Freaky stuff happens, but and you could just feel the vibe in there. There's like secret rooms in this place, and besides the mold that will kill you, um, you know, as soon as we walked <laughs> through there, our eyes were burning. But um, we were there all day through the night, and it's just uh, one of those freaky places you got to check out. And ghosts are dicks. Right? <laughs> Rude. You should really, you know, get some hobbies. All right, it's all I got. Better do than hang around a dirty ass house. You know what I'm saying, go to the movies. <laughs> but they did find out because um they did two um um digs around the property and they they found something like 30,000 artifacts uh from Native American settlement. So wow. it was built on a you know Indian burial ground. Um, oh god. So poltergeist. It's poltergeist. In the chairs. Yeah. Great. That's I mean, as a documentary, it's a great film. <laughs> Poltergeist. Yes. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Watch that in Bowling for Columbine back to back. 
Um, how you- <laughs> Bowling for candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Wait, hold on. Are you pro or anti candy corn? This is nobody's pro candy corn. Right? I am. I, I am like pro it. candy corn. I am pro candy corn. It's a staple. That is a candy you only eat on Halloween. Let's be real. Yes. Down, down with it. You, you guys, you, you're you're canceled now. You go hang out. So it's me and Jordan versus Alan and Doc. All right, I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, give me candy a corn. Are you guys? Are you mad that it doesn't taste like corn? Like, what do you want from this? <laughs> Applejack's mad at this. No, no. Here's here's the thing. All right, like I always say, the line doesn't lie. Right. So when you see like an In-N-Out burger and there's a line down the street, you're like, that's because it's dope, right? When you see like a Chick-fil-A at the airport and it's the line's 50 people deep, you can't deny that. It's the same thing with Halloween, right? You know, like, if there was like a power ranking of like all the candy, what, you know, what gets housed first, right? Like if someone just put out a blind test and like, there's like candy corn over here, and Reese's here, and Twizzlers here. Twizzlers and, and Reese's are everyday candy. That's like candy corn is a novelty. It's something you only yeah. eat on or around it's Halloween. Like peeps, and all right, it- it's for garbage people. And you know what I'm saying? Take care of yourself, all right? Go to therapy for this. <laughs> there are groups, all right? There are people you can talk to that will help you. <laughs> <laughs> Just like horror movies, there's a difference between just like metal music and then like Halloweeny metal music. Do you guys have favorite Halloween metal music? You know, again, this is music I listen to all year round. Um, obviously, typo negative Danzig is definitely among that. King Diamond mm-hmm. slash Merciful Fate, whichever way you want to look at it. I mean, really, what band? Cradle of Filth, Ghost. I feel like all the bands I listen to are Halloweeny. Now that I think about it. I love listening to Sam Hain or Sawin or whatever. If you want to be, if you want to be that person about it, we'll call it Sawin. Whatever. Sam Hain is uh, Danzig's middle band for those who don't know, and they just sound like the Misfits, but if you played it slower and backwards. Yeah. And it, uh, I think they are uh, just an underrated project of Glenn's, and I think they're. It's just my favorite thing to put on in October because it just it sets the vibe it's it's great I'm just an all year round Misfits fan so yeah uh, it's really just 24-7 Misfits around here for me Uh, (laughs) hell yeah but like uh, when we still had CD players in the car we would rock the Danny Elfman Nightmare for Christmas soundtrack around Halloween Uh, you know what I love that soundtrack but the best is the nightmare reimagined with like Rise Against and Corn and and uh, Rodrigo and Gabriella. That mm-hmm. I love that soundtrack also, like the reimagined uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and of course the classic You Can't Go Wrong. With. That record made me feel so weird. <laughs> that is that that felt odd to me. I don't know. I couldn't put it all together. I felt like I was getting beat up by a Jack Skellington backpack from Hot Topic. It was so. <laughs> It was too much. That's what much. I loved about it. <laughs> it was too much. I was like, I'm getting beat up in retail. What the fuck? <laughs> I also, you brought up like typo negative. Uh, I had like a friend say uh, <laughs> like that she couldn't get into typo negative because is she just like uh, the second a song starts, she's like, I just hear vampire musical from F- Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I'm like, yeah, that's why it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the best. That's good. 
It's vampire Muppet shit. It's great. It's sex positive Muppet rock. And I'm into it. It's like Avenue Q owes them royalty money. If you look really carefully in the typo negative black number one video, me and the rest of the life agony guys are in the tree behind Peter. Really? Yeah. And, and there's a part where you see a bunch of clockwork orange guys swing like, you know, sticks and with the long noses and everything. That's us. No way. Yeah. They filmed it in, uh, in Central Park. That is awesome. What time of year did they f film that video? What time of year? I don't know. I don't remember. I just always, I think it's always funny. Um, it wasn't that cold. It wasn't that cold out. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I real like most TV stuff or whatever that has to be released by October, you have to like film it in the summer and it is super weird. Yeah, you have to like bring your own bag of leaves to like make it look like fall. It's so hard to find a fake skeleton in August. It doesn't work. <laughs> well, not anymore. Cause now like if you notice you go to the stores and they are selling Halloween stuff in July, which I think also kind of takes a little bit of like, in some ways I'm like, well, this is great. I can just buy regular decor for my apartment. But in other ways, it kind of takes away, like, again, I, I can't get into the spirit because it's just become a staple of, like, a course of four months as opposed to just that one month of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, to respond to what you guys were talking about, about metal that is uh, Halloween-oriented, I just think Hallow ha October and Halloween is when the rest of the world kind of catches up with metal because I feel like met all metal is... Halloween 20, you know, 365, you know, whether it's Iron Maiden and having, you know, Eddie come out there or it's a black metal band or you're going to see a Monomarth and everyone's dressed up as Vikings like or there's pirate metal bands like I feel like metal is just over the top and, you know, already, you know, if you're going, going to see Manson or you're going to see, like I said, going to see Ghost or something like that, there's it's just always uh there's a theatrical element to everything and over the top element to things that is very much geared to that already so i feel like it's just you know it's just normal it's just just another just another month yeah I, I still feel like there's a difference like you're not gonna like animals as leaders you're not listening to on halloween that's not a there's metal. you can't stop you can't tell me what to do <laughs> I always Fairly support not. the brothers, 365, 24-7, eight days a week. But, you know, one thing about Halloween that I remember bringing up typo negative is that uh, usually I dress up as something scary, but my, one year we were going to a Halloween party in the city, and my wife and I went to Sonny and Cher, and I had the, the handlebar mustache and the yeah. wig and, the, you know, all the 60s clothes and stuff, and we walk in there. And Johnny and Kenny from Typo are at one of the tables and we went and sit a low and then we went to the bar and at least a half hour to 40 minutes went by and Kenny comes to the bar and goes, I didn't know who the hell you were in all this time. <laughs> I've been looking at you. You came up to me, you said hello, but I was just being nice. I didn't know who the <laughs> hell you were. <laughs> That's so good. It was awesome. What was Kenny dressed up as? They had like uh, chainsaw mask and mask and stuff like that. <laughs> of course, I they believe did. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk albums. Paul Bearer, Forgotten Days. I uh, 
I love Paul Bearer. Um, we've talked about chemists before on this show. And if you're a chemist fan, uh, it, but you wish they were slower, you're going to love Paul Bearer. <laughs> There's something very specific about uh, the guitar tone for Paul Bearer that I think is, uh, it's like the platonic ideal of like really what you want out of like, you know, having 700 orange amps or whatever. It's uh, <laughs> it's great. It sounds, I, I, uh, I, I love it. What do you guys think? You know, I, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I, I typically love doom metal, but I do feel that there's some bands for whatever reason that just don't resonate with me. And Paul Bear has always been one of those bands. So also take my review if you're a Paul Bear fan, like don't listen to me, just like skip over it, like go with one of the others, like, you know, but um, so I've always kind of had a hard time connecting with this band. And I think with this album, I realized what the issue is. I like the songs individually, but I feel together it kind of meanders and gets lost in the background. And it just, it, it's too slow. Like I love chemists, you know? So I think that 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 nails it. I like chemists. I don't want chemists to be slower. So I, I think, I mean, there were some tasty riffs on this album, some nice solos, but again, it just didn't really gel together for me. It just I, individually in small bites, I enjoy this band, but it's just excessive and just kind of, meandering uh when it's all together as one yeah i like to call them refer to them as decibel darlings paul bearer <laughs> and and i say that kind of uh <gasps> tongue-in-cheek because i first heard about this band they they look like topping all the you know cool guy uh kind of hipster metal lists and i was like who's this band i never heard of them and for me sometimes i'm a little skeptical in some of those places so i was kind of like you know, silently hating without uh, hearing them. And then I saw them when they opened up for At The Gates and Converge, and I thought they were great. And I kind of like, I saw what the, the hype was about. I was like, yeah, this is a really, really uh, good band. And, you know, so I listened to them a little bit on record, but I, I feel like the records didn't really capture the power of, of the live band. They had a real like wall of sound thing happening live, which I thought was great. And so kind of taking that into listening to this album, I think they're just a really good band. Uh, you know, the, there's, you can hear kind of the Mastodon-y kind of type of tones or something, um, but kind of like agreeing with um, what Katie said a little bit, I, there is times where it's a little sleepy. I just wish that there was more variance in tempo from song to song, where it's like every song has the same groove which uh, mm. it, it's a good groove and they sound great. Like, the, like and, I, and I thought that observation about hearing the songs individually versus uh, an album, you, you have kind of different takeaways, but I think it is a frequency. And when you kind of tap into that frequency, they're great at what they do. Like, I, I, I think, you know, they, they riff, you know, they have some like real, you know, elephant stopping riffs happening there. There's excellent musicianship. I love how they use uh, atmosphere to their benefit. Um, yeah, and, I, and, you know, and actually this is another observation. There's a band from uh, Orange County, California called Painted Wives. Yeah! That, actually, that reminds me, they have very, the vocal tone is, and you know, those kind of Mastodon influences are very present in each band, but I prefer Painted Wives because the music is more energetic and more varied and more hook oriented. It's a little more up my alley, but it was kind of strange hearing, I was like, wow, this sounds 
it's kind of it because it's not like I don't think either band is copying off each other. I think they're just no. um, partly coincidence and partly being having similar influences. But listen, I think they're a really good band. Um, but I wouldn't find myself listening to them a lot on my own. But I'll definitely anytime I see them live, I know they'll they'll really bring it, and I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah, shout out to Painted Wives. Uh, they're an awesome. They're they're a newer band uh, making traction. They're awesome. Uh, Steve Brodsky of Mutoid Man and Caven does a lot of uh, work with them, helping them like get off their feet and whatever. And they're super talented. Uh, their singer Justin sang Alice in Chains on on Two Minutes to Late Night and killed it. He destroyed it. Yeeted it into the Hudson River. It was unbelievable. Uh, but this is all, you know what? This is fucked up because I'm in my group of friends. I'm the one who doesn't like slow metal. I'm the one who doesn't like doom metal. And here I am on this show and everything is too slow for you guys. I have to be the one out here <laughs> defending space and whatever. And I'm usually the one who doesn't. It's just each, uh, it's just super weird how that's working out. Like, but as far as doom do metal, I think they're as good as it gets. Yeah. I weirdly feel like, Jordan, you and I definitely have been at odds with that before, where the doom that I like is not the kind of doom you like. Like, I feel like we had this mm. whole thing with Vile Creature, where, like, you love them, and I just could not get it. So I think you and I right. kind of have this, I don't know what it is, and maybe, you know, feel free to chime in, good people watching and or listening. Like, do you kind of feel like there's a certain sect of doom and, like, sludge, like, that you might like, and... and uh, that others might like that you don't really connect. Like, I feel there's, I, I can't figure out what that disconnect is, but there is one there because you and I definitely have some weird other ends of the spectrum taste, at least when it comes to like doom. Totally. Well, how do you feel? Like, are you, like, I'm not, I I can't get into to Sun O or whatever, or Sun or whatever. Like, I can't do that because that, I also had someone tell me that Sun does that shit on purpose where yeah. they're just like, they are fucking with people and they made money and they're just gonna keep doing it. And I kind of believe it. Like What's that's that? the one, that's where like when Doc brings up like that shit is easy and everything, I'm like, that's, I hear it because like you, you're literally playing a G chord for seven minutes and nothing else is, I don't feel any of the vibes. Cause I can, uh, I I think I've learned to listen to do metal uh, by like, just trying to 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 feel the vibe or the message or feel like I guess like all right with vile creature I can get into it because I'm like this is these are doom metal songs about oppression and I know that they've been through that so I'm getting I'm I can latch on there but when it's just like three white dudes with beards I'm like what happened to you nothing well with Sun oh I really to me they have that spooky background of a horror movie kind of feel, which I love. And I, I like, to me, I like Doom to be agonizing, like even like Primitive Man, I feel there's something aggressive about that or Amun-Ra or um, even Yob to an extent. Yeah, I love Amun-Ra. Okay, good, we got, some, we got something in common. There you love go. Love Amun-Ra. I love um, Ramen. Yob is one I love. Love Ramen. Love ramen. <laughs> I also love Ramen. <laughs> But yeah, um, I get what you're saying. You know, for me, it's I, I feel the emotion through the music more than I do through the lyrics. Mm, for sure. All right, we have a new album from Ghost Main. It's called Anti-Icon. And this is kind of 
breakthrough for the show as far as I know in terms of uh, veering into this trap metal emo rap world and as you can see I'm starting my career pretty soon I got me a laptop got me a, a SoundCloud account you know got me one of these nice mics here I think I'm gonna start laying down some lyrics got some Xanax you know it's gonna be it looked like be... you just pulled up Rosie from the Jetsons listen listen I think I think I'm gonna be all right actually <laughs> I don't I'm playing but hold on, let me let me get back the COVID coils back okay uh, <laughs> so I have to say, you know, um, I have friends like who work with, I actually might actually work with Ghost Mane or, or at least artists uh, related to him and understand the kind of impacts that artists like this is having right now, kind of way beyond metal. And a lot of these artists are the ones that are keeping metal in, you know, pre actually presenting it to young people. But I definitely, when, when I listen to this album, I feel old. Like, I feel, like, out of touch. <laughs> I'm like, and I know it's good for the genre that it's in. Like, it's well done. But I'm just like, I'm like, I'm not cool enough to listen to this. Like, so, you know, if you roll up and then, you know, a group of, like, uh, Gen, Gen Zers roll past you, you know, and they look at you and they're like, man, you, you're, you're kind of a poser. All right, dude, just stop. <laughs> All right? Just stop. Put on, put on some, you know you know, some, some hootie and just keep rolling, brother. See, when you, everything that you said last week about like popular metal, I feel about this. I feel like this is the gateway. Like this is how I want to see. This is all, mainly just cause it's new. I, I, I think I'm just excited. It also feels, I feel too old for it, but it, just li when I'm listening to it, I'm like, this feels, this is awesome. I love seeing all of the genres together. I love uh, hearing like the trap influence and just that it sounds new. It sounds fucking new. It's using so many different influences. And I'm like, this is what's going to get people into metal. The fact that this is happening at the same time that we're getting like, you know, bands like Code Orange and Trap, that's a, that's a through line. That's a direct, like, you're going to get kids that are really getting into hardcore, like, especially with, you know, Ghost Mane and Poppy and, and like, all of the queer offshoots that are in that genre also. You're going to get just all kinds of people crossing over into aggressive music, and I think that that is so awesome. Especially because these guys are just exciting to the youths youths yeah i think that that's definitely what we're gonna see this is definitely like the gateway of now like this to me is like the equivalent of a modern day lincoln park not obviously what they sounded like or anything but just in the sense that they're just reinventing the wheel and now merging together two different two different audiences and what i i liked about this was i felt there was a lot of different elements but they mesh together well. Like you hear a little bit of like Nine Inch Nails and like the Soft Moon, but then you hear a like Three Six Mafia and Tech Nine. Then you yeah. hear moments where it sounds like it's the background of a John Carpenter movie. So what I, what I found the most interesting about this, I think was the vocal delivery because uh, most rapping is, is very, I think to me at least atypical or, or typical, like, you know, you, you follow a certain flow 
and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, it's rhythmic. And this, I felt he really utilized his vocals very, in a, in a unique way I, I personally haven't heard before. And I'm not well-versed enough in this type of genre that you should be like, oh, I'm sure a million people are going to be like, no, oh, but this band. Yeah, I'm sure I, I, I didn't. But I personally have not heard this. So I just found it very interesting, his vocal delivery, where it felt more like a part of the song than something over the song, if that makes sense. Um, and that, I think, was what was the most intriguing. Again, lukewarm review. Did I love it? No, but did I appreciate it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I just loved. I loved it. Maybe it is just me being like, it's weird to love something but feel like it's totally not for you. That's the fucking mm -hmm. weird feeling. But also, if you like, if you want a weird vocal delivery, like I had uh, people literally last week tell me to check out Danny Brown, and it fucking rules. Danny Brown is so cool. I've heard him on other people's songs. I've never listened to his stuff though. <laughs> I know who he is and may have heard a song or two. I honestly am just as in the fucking dark. I am. It's like this, like the reference I would have made would, would have been like Aesop Ferg, but that's also very 2011 of me. <laughs> well, to, to me actually, you know, to kind of pivot off what Katie said about Lincoln Park. I think the biggest corollary for an artist like this is actually Marilyn Manson. That's the the most influence I can kind of find across the board. And even there's a song later in the record that literally starts off exactly like the Dope Show. I don't know if you guys noticed. You know, I did catch a couple of, of glimpses of Manson and glimpses of glimpses of Rammstein, even in certain aspects. Even glimpses of Nine Inch Nails. There were some songs to me that uh, I believe it might have even been the first song that sounds a little bit like Wish. So yeah, you're absolutely spot on with that. Yeah, and I just, I, you know, I, I did enjoy that there was industrial elements to it. The, the album ends on this almost kind of indie grunge acoustic thing. And he actually plays instruments on the record, which I think mm -hmm. is great to actually hear some instrumentation in there. And there's a track called Hydrochloride. I don't know if you guys, and I couldn't, and it's, I think it was the, it's the best song on the album, but then part of me is like, this sounds like, I couldn't tell if it was a cover or if he just borrowed a couple elements from some other famous songs. I have to do a little more research. And I have one more point. I always thought this band was, or this artist was funny because when I heard the name Ghostmane, it just made me think about, uh, what was that movie? Hustle and Flow, where it was like, is this just, is it Ghostman? And it's just like a dude from down south, it's like, What's up, ghost mine? I don't know why that was always funny to me. I um, kept misreading it as ghost meme and then picturing the little <laughs> ghost emoji. So yeah, you're probably one thing we gotta I say am. about this album before we leave is this was supposed to be Ghost Main's major label debut. He, uh, like the deal got he. I think he was getting fucked over in the deal, and they got in a huge argument, and he just released it for free doesn't it did not come out on a label i respect that i definitely I, that is one of the most fucking baller moves ever this dude is uh i don't he's he's fucking authentic and real and i think that that's fucking yeah, i agree cool it, that's the one thing it feels very, like nothing feels um contrived it definitely feels you know, like his photo on the, like they had there was like some of the craziest looking, you speak speak about horror movie stuff. I mean, it was, Love it. it was bugged out. But I have to say, you know, you saw his streams. 
he releases on his own, he's going to make a lot of money from streams because he streams like insanity. Yeah, prob. I mean, he should. It's fun. I just, you know, it's it's cool. Uh, I love when that type of shit happens. Um, and because uh, it, it feels punk, it feels like like a like a rage against the machine kind of move. Being a rage against the machine, let's talk about the wrong generation from Fever three three three. Um, they are. I, dude, I thought this album was awesome. I have been tepid on some songs from this band, but I, you know, I'm a huge fan of The Chariot. I'm, I, I was in high school in 2005. I loved The Chariot. Of course I did. Like, I think that this is the right utilization uh, from the singer of Let Live. I think their political aggressive music is going to sound like. I think that this is really what the band sounds like. And it's fucking awesome. Fight Back is an in the streets anthem, I think. I'm so excited to see uh, what this, I you know, 2020 has needed a band like this. I think we've all been waiting for it, and here they are. I have a, another lukewarm review, actually. <laughs> I Well, you know what? Let's start with the positive. This is probably collectively the sexiest band that we've ever covered. So <laughs> that, everyone is so beautiful. Very, they are a group of very good-looking men. But uh, I've seen them live before also, and I will say they put on a sick show. I saw them at like some fest, like some Danny, Danny Wimmer festival. No, I, I saw this band at Rock Alliance or Rock Allegiance, the one in Camden one year, and they, they were incredible. But musically, I mean, there are moments of this album I liked because it actually did remind me of Linkin Park in like their hybrid theory days. But there were also moments I felt that were too metalcore for me. And that's where I got a little lost in the mix where it reminded me more of like, let's say like of Mice and Men. So I think um, that was what my turnoff was that there were just, I, I couldn't, mm. I'm not a big fan of metalcore to begin with. And I think there was a lot of those elements, but like I said, there was other parts that reminded me more so of like early Lincoln Park. And those were the moments that really grabbed me. Yeah, this is uh, my favorite record of the week. Uh, this mm -hmm. is a band that's been on my radar pretty much since the came out and it's interesting jordan you brought up the rage against the machine comparisons which i think when they first jumped on the scene were extremely obvious and what it seems to me is slowly but surely with each release and as the band keeps evolving they move further away from that and move into becoming their own thing totally and so now and, and this is the first record i've really heard from them where i didn't think about rage and actually the biggest influence to me on this is actually Run the Jewels. And you can hear it in mm. a lot of the, you know, obviously the more hip hop uh, parts of the song, but a lot of the, the beats under that, the kind of the, the rapping cadences seem to be very barred from that. And it, to me, like going back to the same thing with Ghost Mane, everything with this band feels 100% authentic. And I was kind of skeptical when they came out about how big they could get. Cause I was like, who, I'm like, does, rap metal have a place kind of in, in, in the modern context. And they have created something that feels very modern and of the moment and not like, hey, we're doing Limp Bizkit or something. It really, like I said, so because you look at something like Run the Jewels, who likes that group? It's young people, you know, and they have a wide, uh, they have a very diverse audience. And so, 
I agree with you a thousand percent about that first song, man. That thing is such a banger. Mm-hmm. And it's and there's a few of those on this record where they're the the hooks are really hooking and they I think they finally kind of found their lane. So I think this album and like I said, the the, the political message, whether you agree with it or not, it's coming from the heart. And ultimately, that's what people want to attach themselves to. So I'm, you know, and, and their kind of live show is is kind of almost becoming kind of a legend in their own time about how crazy they go and, and all the, the, the intensity and all this stuff. So I see this band really kind of ascending and, and moving up. And, I've, and I want to listen to this album more. So it's really the because I've listened to them before, but it's the first album they've done where I was like, I listened to it. And I was like, I want to keep I really want to keep mm-hmm. listening to this. So it's it's cool to see them grow and uh make strides so this is i really enjoyed this record yeah for sure and yeah i agree i like i don't think they sound like rage against the machine just like making like their identity is built in political rock like like a rage against the machine um and i totally agree with you katie that there's there is metal core there is an element of the i think that that's what like uh like was harder for me to to grab onto initially um is the is the sort of uh like uh the, i guess the the popular metalcoreness of it but that's also i'm like well that's just a modern sound that's just kind of what they're 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 bringing to the table so it's going to be more appealing to like a modern audience it's not for me and that's I think that that's totally fine. That kicks ass. See, what I think is funny is you guys saying it's modern because I personally thought this had more of a nostalgic feel because like I said, I guess the moments that popped out to me the most were ones that reminded me of kind of like that late 90s, early aughts, like rap metal sound. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess too, this also is kind of a similar, um, kind of similarly to what I talked about last week where I heard this against another album that was somewhat in the same genre, that being Ghost Mean. And I thought Ghost Mean sounded very modern. So maybe that's what made this not sound as modern to me. Um, and I'm not saying it's not a modern album, just for me personally, I didn't pick that out. And I do find it very interesting that the two of you do, because I had a totally different perspective in that in that respect. Well, I, I mean it in the context of the, me being the main influence, this being Run the Jewels. And I think in terms of hip hop, Run the Jewels doesn't sound like, you know, krs1 or something like it sounds like they're pushing the boundaries of of hip-hop especially with the production and the beats and the way it kind of grooves which is part of the reason why a lot of people who are into rock and metal like run the jewels uh so yes compared to ghost main i think ghost main is like obviously on the cutting edge which is right you know some of us here feel old listening to it because we're like oh this is like push pushing to another another level with that but um i think but, we're like yeah, talking listen, about the difference between listen, like hip-hop it, and trap yeah and listen right? I, and i don't want to or i'm i like hip-hop but i don't want to overstate my knowledge you know in terms of being able to mm-hmm. reference things especially in the modern context because i'm not an expert on that stuff so i'm sure there's other people who could probably give better uh, corollaries and and related to other things that make sense. So maybe I'm off base. Maybe it's not as modern as I think because I'm not as in step with like where the state of hip hop is. So I don't know. I mean, I feel the same way though. I mean, I, I kind of addressed that right at the beginning. I'm not 
I don't know enough about bands in this kind of world. Even Run the Jewels, it's a band I've only casually listened to and don't really have enough to say, or I can't really sit here and say, oh, you nailed it, or oh, no, I don't think so. I really have no idea. So I think this is, um, it's definitely been a, a learning experience in a way, listening to both <laughs> albums and kind of discovering what the kids are listening to. I think, well, I think we hear, I think where we're hearing metalcore from is because these are metalcore musicians making this mu Like, Let Live was a metalcore band. The Chariot yeah. was a very different type of hardcore band. Yeah. And so Let Live both... is another band I'm not into. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, I think, but you, they're coming together to make this band. And I think, like, Doc, you're pointing out Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels works with Zach De La Roca all the time. He's on, like, every album. Yep. You know, and they're bringing, especially with their new album uh, for like, there's so many rock musicians on there. Like they were, they're always working with like the yeah, Josh. They were, homie they were the group. direct support for the whole reunion tour as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was going to be so sick. That is, I think of all the like, towards just stuff that I wasn't like directly a part of, like the saddest, like I'm sad I didn't get to see that tour. That sucks. It'll happen, all right? You gotta believe. Well, that does it for our spooky edition of Last Words. Alan, where can the people find you? Oh, I'm everywhere. Everywhere and everywhere. Um, AlanRobert.com, TheBeautyOfHorror.com. Um, I, I don't even remember my username on Twitter and Instagram, but you'll find me. You'll find me. LifeAgony.com. Katie, tell the people about your social media. You can find me at Merciful Kate on Twitter and Instagram. Doc, where can people f send you messages, whatever, but probably not this week. You don't feel great. <laughs> you can find me hooded in a onesie on Twitter and Instagram at Doc Coyle. You can go to my website, DocCoyle.net. And you can follow me at Two Minutes to Late Night on Instagram at 2M2LN on Twitter. Follow us on the social media at We Are The Pit. That does it for us here at the Last Words Podcast. If you want to leave us a comment, go to our YouTube channel. Watch this week's video and yell at us. We read them. We read all of them. We have to. Go eat an entire pumpkin. I want to see someone just eat it. So just do that.